This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known guests about their lives, their careers, and negotiating those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Prady-Phillips, and with me as ever is the imperious Jim Daly. Hang on, I'm just going to Google imperious. (laughs) Arrogant and domineering. Yeah, I would say those are two of the qualities that people most associate. It's because you look so confident today. Do I? I'll mm. take that. Yeah, nice to look confident, isn't it? Even if you're not, I think it's uh, it's probably quite a good quality to give out there. Mm. I think. Uh, I don't know how one does that. I'm delighted that you think I look confident today. Uh, I don't know what I've done, um, but yeah, I'd like to give out more confident uh, vibes. Vibes. Yeah, I think I would. But don't know how yeah, to. it's a funny one, confidence, isn't it? Because it's, there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance, which yes. sometimes those two things get. Um, you, you see it in sport and well, in in the world of entertainment and all sorts of things. People sort of kind of muddle those things up sometimes. I think some people. I think you can be confident but not be arrogant. But I think mm, sometimes yeah. if you come across as confident, people think you're arrogant. It's a fine line. It's um, a very fine you're not arrogant way. in any way. I'm just putting that. Out. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I was meaning in a, comp- a complimentary way. You are you looking confident, but not arrogant. Interesting. Yeah, but again, it is a, it is a fine line. I think mm. to uh, to tread that uh, to tread that line. I think some people arrogant. don't like list- hearing people being confident. If yeah, someone's maybe. confident in their ability, or and they say it, they voice it. I think sometimes people find that they find, oh. maybe that's a British thing because I think actually yeah. thinking yeah. like our transatlantic friends. Um, would be maybe would be more openly confident. Yeah, and, and, and I don't, I don't mind it. Do you? I, I quite like being around confident people, erring on the side of confidence, maybe rather than arrogance, because mm. um, it is quite a positive. I think it's mm. quite a positive energy, and um, it, invariably, people like that are want you to want you to do well for yourself and be confident. I think mm. that kind of rubs off sometimes. Um, yeah, because it could be it. attached to 
encouragement sometimes, I think. Yeah, positivity. Yeah. And, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I, I think there's a, there's the Britishness, I think, maybe. To the yeah, we don't tend to like... Yeah, I don't think... I think that's a thing we don't, we don't like it, I think. But particularly from public figures, if they're, you know, they're coming across as... Mm. I think I, I'm thinking of sport in a big way because often, like I say, sportsmen sort of will talk co- positively about what they've done, or you know, and some people don't like it. You know, you sort of see it on. But you need to get yeah. to the very top of the sports game. Exactly, you need confidence. If, if you you're a top a sports person, maybe. yeah. If you're well, not even if you're a top sportsman, if you've done any, you know, if you're a public figure doing sport or, or whatever it is, I'm using sport as an example. Then you have to yeah. be bloody good. So um, yeah, yeah, quite. I think you have to. You have to have. You be driven. I think. Yes. And I guess uh, confidence comes from. Uh, it's definitely related to sort of being driven. So um, anyway, this isn't a sports episode. I mean, it's not a sports a great episode. intro for uh, Patrick a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, this is, yeah. yeah, well, but I would say, fair enough, our guest today, Arthur Smith, who is a tr- absolutely tremendous legend of comedy, absolutely. legend of the British yeah. comedy scene. He's been around for a long time doing, yeah. you know, he talked about doing Fringe Festival since 1977. Yeah. Um, uh, and I would say, actually, he's, he was very confident He's a very confident guest, obviously very confident in his own skin um, yeah. and a, a very confident poet. I mean, obviously he talked about yeah. poetry and we did some poetry recitals, which some people can hear on the Patreon. There we are. Let's got that in Beautifully early. Beautifully done. Um, yeah. If you want to hear some lovely poetry recitals and Jim attempting to fart, um, you can hear <laughs> that on the Patreon. Um, all become clear. If you're you wondering, to, yeah. if you're wondering which of the two of us, I mean, Charles, is the cultured one, there's your answer. <laughs> which one's the all? Author. Which one's the the right? <laughs> which one? Which one's which the, the one that does football stuff and does comedy? Right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I could not. I could not have uh, pigeonholed myself more. No. But anyway, if you do want to hear that, then obviously join the patron because, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think we've ever done that before. Possibly won't no. again since. But but there are reasons that we've gone into that yeah, world, yeah, which will yeah. be explained in the main episode. Yeah, this was a really fun episode. Always great talking to Arthur. Obviously, lots of fantastic anecdotes, yeah. and he's hilarious and just a brilliant, brilliant company. And he's done so much and seen so much. And it yeah. was uh, yeah. It's a really, we. I think you and I knew it would be a, a really, really sort of easy conversation because yeah. you know Arthur's just a great um, raconteur, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's just really great to to talk to him and spend some time with him. And he gave me the key to the Ballum as well. Oh, of course. To, which um, which is vital. Tomorrow. Yeah, which somewhere I used to live and spend every, all the while I lived there. That was something I really wanted. Um, so that's nice to nice to get that as well. Uh, speaking of things we want, Giles, we'd love people to get in contact with us and let us know what they think about um, any episode, really, of Blank. Um, and you can do that in various ways, Twitter, Facebook or Instagram, where the handle is... At BlankPod. It is indeed for all of them. And here's someone that's done just that on Twitter from Craig. And his uh, handle is at meh musings, meh underscore musings. Um, I'm sure your musings are better than meh, Craig. Mm. Uh, in fact, I know they are because you've tweeted two of them to us. Uh, so here's one of them. Uh, slowly but surely working my way through blank pod episodes on my lunchtime 10K constitutional. Not sure what that is. Is he running? Anyway, great. Um a Henry Winter might be the best, not just football knowledge, but also stands up for the game as a great social conscience and even drops in some music references. Big up idols. There we go. Yes, that was a great episode with Henry. Yeah, uh, and then... I, I, big fan of Henry and he's yeah, so erudite and, and a brilliant, yeah. um, brilliant knowledge of the game. Just incredible. Yeah, that was a really interesting uh, and, yeah. and, and, and uh, fascinating conversation with him. And It was. Yeah. 
allowed me to really sort of uh, delve into my 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 football obsession. Mm. Um, and Craig's picked another one as well with, with another football person that came on. He's put another day. So I think I sent this to next the next day. Yeah, three days later. He's cracking on with these episodes. Yeah, good work. Um, another episode, which is nine months past. It's, oh my God, is it nine months? Anyway, it's the Emma Jones episode. Oh, um, obviously a big Leeds fan. Uh, was that nine months ago? Oh, it doesn't feel like oh. it, does it? Um, bravo for speaking in such an honest and open way. Everything you want in the podcast. Yeah, Emma was, oh, yeah, my word. What was, a fantastic yeah. guest. Very raw episode, but I mean, she was, oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Emma's brilliant and um, doing so well. And it's lovely to see that. But yeah, that was a very sort of emotional and poignant episode, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, well, thank you, Craig. And uh, yeah, you can tweet us at BlankPod um, or message us on Instagram and Facebook. If you've liked Craig going through the, the old episodes and you're enjoying any, then please do let us know. Yeah, and we've been obviously putting out some classic episodes recently because we had a little break from um, from releasing episodes so we could catch up. And yeah, yeah, so there's some, you know, if you haven't heard them before, there's some real, really good old classics that we've been putting back out. Um, yeah. So you can delve in and, and or re-listen if you've already heard them before. Exactly, exactly. So plenty for you to get your teeth into. Speaking of, I think it's time to uh, to get on with this week's fantastic episode. I think we should, yeah. So this is, as Charles said, comedy legend. Arthur Smith on the Black Podcast. It, it, well, it hasn't been nice here. I'm down on the south coast. It's been absolutely pissing it down with rain. Oh, yeah. Has it? Yeah, it's been horrendous. Like, oh, yeah. We had a bit of lightning and thunder last night. It was good. Yeah, I like a bit. Of, I like a bit of lightning and thunder. I'm, I'm yeah, quite, yeah, I, I, yeah. I quite like the drama of it all. <laughs> I agree. We we did too, and it was really bright. And I actually thought that um, our security lights had come on, and we were getting getting burgled by someone because the light was that bright. Right. It was. That, I guess it was actually lightning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Are you both on the south coast then? No, I'm in Cheshire, in Buckinghamshire. Very nice. But I used to live uh, in the People's Republic of Bath. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah. Why did you leave yeah, us? Twice. <laughs> I don't because I couldn't afford to live there anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, twice I lived there. I loved it. Absolutely loved it in Ballam. But um, yeah, I, uh, I've, I've, I've moved out. But my heart is still there. Rightly my so. In, in that Ballum. case, I'll give, grant you the freedom of Ballam. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, Arthur, if, we'll start if, my, if, yeah. I'm, if we may. If that's all right with you. Um, so you're from Bermondsey originally, though. That's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was what was what was your youth like? What was growing up like in Bermondsey? Well, it was uh, it was very good because principally because I had a lovely mother and father. My dad was uh, a copper, PC Sid Smith. Um, we lived in uh, a block of police flats. I think they're now student flats that were right next to what was then Surrey Docks. So we, and we used to look out the window and see all these ships and then the streets had lots of uh, drunken sailors wandering the streets. And directly opposite the block of flats was was a bomb site because, of course, uh, you know, this, I'm speaking, you know, this is the 50s late 50s, there were still loads of bomb sites all around London and I presume all over the country at the time. And as a child, bomb sites were fantastic. They were so <laughs> it's much better than a park because you never quite knew what you're going to find on a bomb site and you'd get, uh, 
bits of shrapnel, and then one boy found a, fortunately, uh, no longer in use, hand grenade once, I remember. Wow. Whoa. That was really exciting. And so, uh, yeah, I had a, I, and I had uh, an older brother, and and then a younger brother came along as well, and we were, you know, we were a pretty happy family. I remember in the mornings, I used to, my dad used to come in from doing the night shift on the beat, and he'd sort of come in looking exhausted while we were all getting ready to go to school, and unbutton his police collar, and uh, have a cup of tea. And uh, and coincidentally, today, May the 19th, 2022, would have been my dad's 100th birthday. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> well, let's raise a glass to yeah. Sid, dad. Sid Smith. PC Sid Smith. PC Sid Smith, yeah. He never really, he never rose above the rank of PC and he became a jailer in the end because he'd had quite a war. He'd been captured at El Alamein. And then spent two and a half years as a, a prisoner of war. And he ended the war wow. in Colditz Castle, in fact, which was quite wow. a story. And then when in the year of my birth, Colditz, the film came out and mm. then the TV series subsequently. So he became a little bit of a local celebrity because he'd been in Colditz. Although yeah. it, Colditz was mainly full of officers and prominente, as they were called, who could potentially be used as hostages. So, um, but my dad never quite worked out why he was there then, because he was just a PC, and his job was to sweep up and make tea for the posh guys. So my joke is that he was obliged to wipe the arse of a bunch of old Etonians, as we must all continue to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, quite yeah, yeah. Very, very true. <laughs> and, and was he quite open about that that period of his life? Because with the war and stuff, was he? Well, he, was he, he happy to talk about it. He was. Well, he had a sort of selection of stories that he'd tell, and he didn't really go much beyond them. But when he retired, we got him to write these stories down in uh, in a memoir that he wrote which yeah. does tell the story of, you know, the day he actually went over the top at El Alamein, the capture, and then subsequently how they went to these terrible uh, a, a, a camp in Italy where his weight dropped to six stone. Wow. Yeah, and he was wow. about the same size as me. And he always used to say, we used to eat anything. We used to eat, we used to eat dogs. And I said, oh, what does dog taste like? And he said, oh, you know, it's a bit like rat. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah obviously but uh, in fact this the memoir that he wrote which covers really his, yeah, his war years and then some of his time on the beat it kind of stops around when he was around 40 or 45 it, we're probably going to be uh, I, I mean talks about having it published with an introduction by me. Amazing, that'd be great. Yeah because oh, his stories are really funny a lot of them he, he had lots of stories about uh, drunken women trying to kiss him, for example, and uh, <laughs> mainly he was dealing with drunks. But then he became eventually uh, the jailer at Kennington Nick, and because uh, he never really liked arresting anyone. I think after you know having been a prisoner himself for two years, yeah. two and a half years, he uh, he was actually was on the side of the prisoners. So he was a, he was a very generous and gentle man. Although he was a good boxer too. <laughs> he wouldn't want to wow. get involved in a fight with him. He used to say that he'd get drunks come up to him and he could, you know, he could just push them over if they started getting violent. There was no trouble at all. 
<laughs> it's a great name as well, Sid Smith. Yeah. It's, a, it's a solid name. Yeah. It's a very, very it's a Sid solid with name. a Y, which is unusual. Uh, yeah, that is yeah. unusual. I don't quite so, know why there's the Y instead of the I, but anyway. So I guess some of that storytelling has kind of come off on you a little bit, obviously, with, with your career. But, yeah, does, do you think that's kind of where you maybe got some of that from? Yeah, I think that, that and from my mother, who was, uh, although she wasn't, she, was, she wasn't as extrovert as him, but she always was interested in books. And when we were kids, she used to take us to the theatre and the National Theatre had just opened and, we, you know, we'd queue up and get tickets. So she she introduced us to words and eloquence but Sid was good at stories and he did love an old joke there's no doubt I'll tell you a couple if you like would love to hear some (laughs) Uh, uh, a man goes to the doctor the doctor says I'm afraid you're going to have to stop masturbating oh no says the man why well says the doctor I'm trying to examine you (laughs) (laughs) actually that wasn't one of his but uh, I know a lot of old jokes, you know, and uh, I attribute most of them, obviously, to Barry Cryer, yeah. who uh, just died a couple of months ago. Yeah. And, uh, oh, his funeral was a wonderful event. He was a great man. Yeah, and, and university loved within the industry. I think, you know, yeah. we've had a few people that have come on and, and talked. Yeah, he, so, he yeah. came up in a podcast recently, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, and, and clearly a very, very warmly loved man. He used to, I mean, he used to ring me up on my birthday every year. And, I, and, I, and from all the other people I've heard who he used to ring up on their birthday, he must have started every day by <laughs> being on the phone for about an hour and a half. And he usually had some new joke or something. He was... Because when I started doing stand-up comedy, there was a kind of rift between alternative comedy, as it it was called then, or alternative cabaret, and the kind of old-school stuff, which was, you know, guys in suits and uh, often telling jokes, you know, the Bernard Manning-type ones, which were kind of racist and homophobic. And and so there was a kind of big... Gap, you know, a big wall between the two types of comedian at the time. But Barry was, you know, one who put his hand over the wall and was always very generous. He was a wonderful man. Yeah, heard that many times, actually. I think, I think that is important in that industry, though, isn't it? That um, to have people that do put their hand across the divide and because well, everyone there's for the same everything. reason. Yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's it's better to try and listen to other people and, uh, if possible, make some connection with them, even if you might thoroughly disagree with everything they say. Although, having said that, you know, there's a few right-wing Tories out there I think I'd have a job enjoying a dinner party with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe everyone, has, maybe everyone has a limit, but I, think, I guess if the intent is there, yeah. you know, and then... Yeah, but it's not easy. It's not easy. But um, at least comedy's moved away, I guess. I guess, sorry, Giles, from no. that old style, the old style Bernard Manning kind of racist and, and jokes going on. That has died out, really, hasn't it? I mean, I think that people have moved on from that. Yeah, although, you know, there was a bit of a revival of that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't think anyone would really attempt racist stuff anymore. There's still a few male comedians who do rather sexist material. And I noticed. 
the other day, what's her name, Julia Hartley Brewer, saying, oh, I'd laughed at a lot of rape jokes. Hey, I I don't know any rape jokes, I must admit, and nor do I wish to, really. No, quite. Yeah, that's a weird thing to say as well, isn't it? It's a weird thing to announce to the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I found some rape jokes funny. I mean, goodness me. I I, I don't know with with people like her, because she's obviously sort of a a right-wing talk radio kind of person. I think all of her ilk, I think a lot of it's just attention-seeking. Yeah. They say this this outrageous stuff like that to try and get people either on their side going, yeah, me too, or to go, you can't say that, that's outrageous. And and both sides are attention. Yeah, exactly. It's the currency they move in. Clickbait, isn't it, really? Mm. So you get paid more if more people are, I suppose, paying paying attention to you. I think Piers Morgan's a bit prone to that, isn't he? You know, you say something that you know is going to piss people off. And then lots of people jump in and then more people are listening to you and you're making more money. I think a lot of it comes just down to that. Yeah, I, com- I completely agree. I, d- I just I wonder if like, sorry to get sort of quite deep early on, but I, 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 I get that. And like we all move in kind of like noisy circles and there's a lot of noise to try and make yourself heard from, whether it's the entertainment industry or, or, or I guess, you know, other circles. But deep down, at the end of the day, if you're making your money and making your currency and your attention from saying outrageous things that maybe you don't even necessarily believe, you're just saying them for attention, what have you got at the end of the day, apart from a bit more money and Mm. people hating you? Mm. you Shouldn't we really all be sort of like powered on by our actual core beliefs? Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's, I mean, of course, social media has... uh, exacerbated that a lot more isn't it because at any time of day or night you can go on twitter or something and find someone who's annoying you and start shouting (laughs) at them (laughs) yeah Yeah, i do think sometimes i wish i you know wish i should i maybe think i should withdraw from twitter for example i don't really do instagram my joke is i used to think that was just a really efficient drug dealer (laughs) (laughs) but uh, it's very easy to get caught up in endless sort of scrolling and caught up in ridiculous arguments and things i think there's a lot to be said for people who say look just put your phone down and go out without it and have a little walk around the common yeah absolutely and i think well it's interesting to say like instagram i think they are like drugs social media They, Mm. they are you know you're you know we're getting these dopamine hits every you know, every time we post something, and you, uh, I, I've recently come off Twitter, and I, I honestly, it's I've, it's almost like life changing. I feel I feel it's like a sobriety in a way. Yeah. Um, I think coming away from it, you you start to realise how embedded you are in it, and what you're putting out there. What what actually does it all mean, really? Mm. Um, what actually are you getting out of it? Did you find um, it difficult to come off it? No, I was getting some like nasty messages, like you say, people just put out, you know, they will jump on anything you say. And I thought, you know, what? I'm not enjoying this. This mm. isn't enjoyable. Um, so, yeah, I suppose the first few, few uh, first couple of weeks, maybe like you're sort of tempted to sort of dive back in um, and have a look what what's going on. But post that, I'm, I'm feeling very relaxed and calm and and. And yeah, and finding other things to do which are more <laughs> more enjoyable, yeah. I think is the main thing, isn't it? Yeah. Although I've been recently afflicted by a condition uh, known as CBA. 
you know what that is? Can't be asked. No. Can't be asked. Can't be asked, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suffer from the same affliction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do my best, and I turn up to be gigs and whatnot, but I do often, you know, sit in the garden and do nothing rather than uh, doing something I probably ought to be doing, writing my novel <laughs> or, uh, you know, changing the world for the better. But there's a lot to be said for saving. Mean, if more people did CBA, I think we'd have less trouble in the world. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I sometimes Definitely. think that if we slept for, who is it, koala bears or something, sleep for 18 hours a day <laughs> and then sort of get up, have something to eat, see if they can find a partner and then go back to sleep for another 18 hours. Yeah, just make, those, <laughs> yeah, yeah. make those six hours you're awake really efficient <laughs> yeah. and, and just sleep. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely something to be said for that. Sleeping I'd is the that. best thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Unless you're it having really a is, terrible yeah. dream, I know. I'm, I'm sure we all have sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I was interested after you were saying that you were the middle child, because um, that's always something that people say. Oh, they're a middle child. Did you? Uh, you got on well with your brothers, though. Yeah, I still get on well with both of them, yeah. I mean, my, my elder brother, who's um, two years older than me, is a sort of force of nature. I mean, we came from, you know, it's quite a humble background, obviously, but he he was always top of the class. And then he went to medical school and he became a doctor briefly. And then he ended up as the editor of the British Medical Journal. Wow. Um, yeah, and even now he's always posting blogs and and, and he runs various. He's retired from the the BMJ, but he now organises various medical conferences and blah blah. So he was it was all I was always kind of following in his wake. So yeah. he, all his achievements and uh, ability to do stuff kind of kept me going as well. I think, and I kind of went along behind it, although obviously I chose to go into a different uh, different yeah. field than, than he did. And my younger brother, who's a civil servant who lives in Tunbridge, I still have a very good relationship with him. In fact, we uh, just um, a month ago, our mother died, and um, she was 92, you know, and and we all and we organised a funeral together, and we all got on really well. And I think of friends of mine who had bad relationships with their siblings. So we were pretty lucky, really. I'd say. Do you have disputes with brothers and sisters, or? <laughs> well, I think that, I guess there was a period of time where me and my brother probably didn't. Um, not that we didn't get on, but maybe not didn't hang out as much together, which I think is quite normal. But yeah. yeah, I certainly have a very good relationship now with him. And I think, I know, Jim, you have good relationships with your yeah. sibling. I wonder if it's an age thing sometimes. The older you get, you sort of realise maybe what's more important. Um, I'm really sorry to hear about your mum, by the way, Arthur. Um, well, and clearly your older brother does not suffer from CBA either. No, given, uh, no, he's got the given opposite. Given what he's done. Yeah, <laughs> he's got the, I don't know what the opposite would be. <laughs> well, it's the same. It's just can be asked to do everything. Can be asked. Exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but I, I I think with siblings and stuff, you, you obviously you can't pick your siblings, do you, can you? You know, no. you pick your friends, you can't pick your siblings. So it's, it's one of these things that you're just kind of you're stuck with them, really. But I, I found as I got older, I've definitely got closer to my to my siblings definitely and i don't know if it's just uh yeah just an aging or just luck i just lucked out that they're just yeah well we were lucky nice, uh, as well we 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 had to get together to support our mother who after my dad died 
started and she could feel it tipping into dementia, mm-hmm. which her mother had had and her sister. And and it was a very difficult period when and she obviously she was thinking, oh, I don't really give a shit. I'm just and then she started drinking as well and used to be found wandering in uh, the streets occasionally. But eventually she went into a home where the carers were fantastic. Mm-hmm. But that was quite a quite a hard few years. Dementia's um, really not a very nice thing. Dementia's really not a nice thing. Dementia's. <laughs> you can always get a laugh for doing dementia. <laughs> it is an incredibly cruel um, disease. I know my my grandmother had dementia near the end. Um, well, for the few years before she passed away, and um, yeah, and it comes in many different forms. She used to get quite aggressive. Yeah, that, uh, that can um, so did yeah. my mother occasionally. Mm. Usually not. I mean, in fact, by the end, she was sort of in this little little song in her head that was going on all the time. But I might recite a little poem I wrote. Shall I? Yeah, love yeah. to hear it. This is um, a poem about my mother. It, this was when she was having quite a hard time. Anyway, right here it is. Arriving home after the party, they see her, their neighbour, standing in the street. She asked them for a lift to London, back home to London. Hazel, they say, this is your home. London's 30 miles away. They, her door is open and they take her in and find she has packed a bag if a packet of biscuits and a jumper count as packing. Oh, Hazel, it is 35 years since you left London to live, as you like to say, in the shires. But there she still is, the grammar school girl from Camberwell Green, dancing, kissing sailors in Trafalgar Square. It is VE Day and the rest of the century is yours. Oh, that's beautiful. Arthur. That is beautiful. Hey, VE Day, that must have been a hell of a pie. <laughs> it must have been. <laughs> yeah, it must have been. So have you always have you always Written poetry is that something that's always been part of part of yeah, your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always liked poetry, and I've uh, yeah, and I have I do write poetry. I mean, I can't claim to be uh, a poet laureate, although I do know him, Simon Armitage. Only <laughs> 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 one away. <laughs> In fact, I, was, I met him at the Oscar Wilde Society meeting a while back. I don't really know about that. It's a bunch of people. I think Giles Brandreth organises it. Uh, and they have a party every year to celebrate Oscar Wilde on his birthday or something. And, um, yeah, uh, what was I talking about there? The dementia's kicking in. (laughs) (laughs) Poetry. Uh, Simon Armitage. Yes, Simon Armitage. And I I, I managed to, I know, I I occasionally learn poetry, and I learned a little bit of one of his poems and recited it to him, which was uh, he was very pleased with. (laughs) <laughs> you young pretend it's the last bit of a poem called Goalkeeper with a Cigarette. You young pretenders, keepers of the north, the niche, defenders of the sweet fuck all. Think bigger than your pockets, profiles, health. Better by half to take a sideways view. Take a tip from me and deface yourselves. 
That's, oh. that's Simon Arnold. That's, re- that's really, re- that's very relevant, isn't it? Very, very relevant currently <laughs> yeah. what we're talking yeah. about. That's, Do you that's love a bit of poetry? On. I love poetry. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Wendell Berry. He does kind oh, yeah. of like kind of more natural world kind of poetry. And I'm a big fan of Simon as well. I've got quite a few of his books. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love poetry. Um, my favourite poet's um, Sharon Olds. She wrote a brilliant book called The Father, which is all about her father passing away from um from a terminal cancer and it's just so visceral um yeah what's, what's her name i don't know uh, sharon olds oh, i'll look that up yeah the father i would highly recommend it to anybody um it's a absolutely beautiful book uh, very obviously very poignant and and sad as well but yeah she's a tremendous poet so yeah i'm, I'm a big fan of poetry you know I, I i write poetry i've written a couple of verse novels as well so yeah yeah it's always been a big part of my life poetry I'll, uh, well, when we come to the end of this, perhaps uh, mm. we should all recite a poem. I'm, I'm game if you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you I learn, can you learn any up. of yours by heart? I don't. I'm, I'm really bad at that, actually. No. Um, I'd like to do. Yeah, because I, I keep meaning I'd like to do like a a live reading of one of my one of my novels as as a yeah. complete thing, as a complete night. But um, and I think if I did that, I would definitely want to try and learn. A lot of it by heart. Oh, it's a lot to learn a whole, uh, a whole, well, a whole book. It would yeah, be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys, do you guys think? Because I, I have to admit, growing up and maybe a bit now, I, I think poetry kind of scared me a little bit. That because um, it seems so sort of like beautifully put together and, and intelligent, and I think maybe I find it a bit sort of daunting sometimes. But I really enjoyed listening to you recite a poem then, and I and I wonder if that's more an accessible way for me to get into poetry. I, I think there's. Go to I think a slam the, or something, man. Like yeah, a, a, I think on the page type sort of thing. Yeah, on the page, I think I find it quite daunting, but I, I, I think I, I'd find it more accessible. Yeah, most poetry yeah. is better really read aloud, yeah. like Shakespeare and whatnot. Mm. I'm definitely going to do a couple of poems at the end. We'd love that. <laughs> yeah, We'd oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So did you do? Lovely. Did you go to those kind of like recitals and things? Did you? Were you into that as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I used to go when I was at university in Norwich, East Anglia University. I used to go to the poetry night. In fact, I was that's right. I was chair of the the university poetry society. Oh, amazing! Where used to go along. Uh, we used to go to this pub. What was it called? Little pub in Norwich, out the back, and sit there. And of course, and everyone read. There, well, there were a few old, you know, well-known poems, and then everyone read their own poems. Some of which were absolutely fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that was all right; they were quite short. But you know, if you saw someone with about ten pages, and they yeah, ring binder, yeah, yeah <laughs> and they started oh, off, sake. and it was pretty grim stuff. You sort of, oh god, I don't know how much more I can take of this. <laughs> so what? Okay, what? What? Um... <clears throat> Because I do, I do find this stuff interesting. What is what is at the heart of a good poem? Then what makes a is it just something that like really comes from the heart, or does it have to be written in a certain way, or are there tropes to avoid? Like what's what makes a good well, poem? Well, I think if you're going to write a poem about the moon, bear in mind there've been a lot of poems about the moon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a definition, you know, poetry is that which cannot be translated. In a way, it's the the combination of words mm. carving out a meaning in the air that is that can only be done through poetry. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Even you even define poetry, really. 
it's uh, more thoughtful prose perhaps or yeah. <laughs> but you know like sometimes when you're writing and like and maybe this is more prevalent in poetry than than other forms of writing and you get something in your head maybe it might be like a, like a little phrase yeah. or something it's like it's like bearing down in your mind yeah. and you think, oh, I'm gonna, that's really good I'm gonna write that down and then like you see it written down and you think that looks fucking terrible. <laughs> there's just a, there's a process sometimes, isn't there? Maybe that's part of just yeah. just creativity that you have to write something bad sometimes, and then it becomes something good. Yeah, but... but often poems do start with one image or one thought. I've got a bit back of my head the phrase "little do we know," because I whenever I look at photos or something from years ago, somewhere in my head I'm thinking, "Well, little did he know yeah. what was yeah. going to happen," yeah. or. Uh, and little do we know, really. I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I'm with, was it Socrates? said, I, all I know is I don't know fuck all. <laughs> yeah. And it's always slightly annoying when you meet people who do apparently know everything and are utterly <laughs> convinced that they're right about everything. Yeah, yeah, there seems to be quite a few of those people around, in the, particularly mm. in the media. Um, we talked about some yeah. of them earlier. <laughs> we covered them earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so did you? You were do? Were you performing poetry as well? Your own poetry, obviously, being the chair of the of the university's poetry. Yeah, society. yeah, I did do a bit of poetry, but then I kind of and some of it tipped into comedy, yeah. and uh, and then you know, but really, I went for the sound of laughter was the thing that really got me going, and uh, so because I always remember when I was well, I must have only been about six or seven. And at primary school, and the teacher came in and said, "We're going to do a version of Peter Pan to all the parents at Christmas or something." And I was terribly excited by this, and I went home and uh, wrote my version of Peter Pan, which was obviously unperformable. But the the teacher said, <laughs> "Well, we can't quite do it like that, but you can play any part you want." So I went for Captain Hook, obviously. You know? Oh, it's the best part. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, my mother got me, a, you know, a coat hanger to put in for my hand and whatnot to do the hook. And I came on stage intending to terrify everyone in the audience with my scary Captain Hook routine. But they all started laughing instead. <laughs> and the more I ran around trying to terrorise people as Captain Hook, the louder the laughter. <laughs> And actually, I quite enjoyed it. I think it was kind of then I thought, oh, yeah, laughter. I love the sound of laughter. And, it, you know, as Victor Borger said, laughter is the shortest distance between two people. Yeah. That's but, a wonderful quote, actually. Yeah. yeah, that's lovely. If you can laugh together, then clearly things are going well. Yeah. Especially, I mean, again, going back to earlier, especially if you do have differences you're people that might come at life from different angles but if you can laugh then you've found something common if you yeah. found something and, both you know, even funny. if you don't speak the language of someone else you know and you're trying to communicate laughter is the thing that might bring you together it's a funny thing isn't it i always think it's the closest we say we ever sound to like chimpanzees or something is when people laugh yeah. you know that that strange noise we make there's yeah. nothing quite like it, is it? Well, there's farting, I suppose, but that's not... That's <laughs> farting, those two things come the, together a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Laughter. Yeah, yeah for, for laughter. 
<laughs> farting and laughter, yeah, the two true universal languages. <laughs> well, you do. I do sometimes think, well, you know, people pay me to stand in front of them and make them laugh, but they, you know, you don't pay someone to make you belch or fart or uh, yawn. Well, we'll probably get a few laughs though. To be fair, yeah, at, yeah, oh at, yeah. At the start, farting, get is, old farting is always funny. Obviously, mainly <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you're seven or eight, but. Uh, if one of us I does, know. I don't know our fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like you know, if if some very respectable or powerful world leader gets up and is making a big spit and does a big fart, yeah, yeah, everyone in the world is laughing. <laughs> yeah. You should have more farting, I think. I think so too. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's what it used to be. I think it's kind of going out of fashion. Farting. Yeah, I think it is. We I need to I'm bring right. it back. Please, I can agree. one of you fart yeah. for me? That's troublesome. <laughs> I can't. I think farting, farting on demand, I think, is a that, real skill. That, yeah, yeah. I if you that can leads do to that. Trouble. Well, there, yeah. there is the trouble. There are, um, there well, are the, acts. Le Petomain was the famous. Le Petomain, um, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, who you, they reckon you could hear the laughter 20 miles away. He used to fart the Marseillaise and, uh, yes. and he used to light his fart. There was a film of it, wasn't there? Do you remember? Oh, Leonard Rossiter played him. That's right. Yeah, I'd yeah, love to see that again. Yeah. There's a brilliant moment in that where he has a an unfortunate accident during one of his, um, his routines. <laughs> yeah. And the next day he's sitting in bed. Like, you know, with a hot water bottle and everything. And he's like, please pass me the charcoal biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> I, used to, I used to have a friend, uh, a lady, who could do fanny farting at will. Wow. wow. Yeah, okay. I know. It's quite a skill. In fact, we used to do it. I used to get her to do it sometimes on stage occasionally. I won't say her name because uh, I think she's a bit embarrassed about it these days. and She's, <laughs> she's uh, moved away from that. Yeah, yeah, she's also married to a very famous person whose name I also <laughs> won't say. Any <laughs> oh, fart, yeah, a whole farting show. Yeah, let's bring back the Petal Man. There you go, that's your next um, yeah. Yeah. Edinburgh Friends show. Yeah, maybe, uh, yeah. Although yeah. I, I haven't really got the skill. Uh, I always, always makes me laugh that because uh, the French for fart is pété. And one fart is um, pay, spelled P-E-T, pet. So I always think yeah. that if people need a, you know, if French people see a sign saying you need a pet passport, that must be. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I mean, if you, if you did a whole show about farting in French, you could call it pet sounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you are. Maybe we should do pet one, sounds. the three of us. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's our next project. Yeah, on a farting podcast. Fartcast. Yeah, that... <laughs> Fartcast. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Dep- I, that actually would do really well. I genuinely think that would be good. I'm going to want to smell it, though. I'm going to Google farting podcasts because I'm sure there are some out oh, there. Oh, there's bound to be like at least 12 or 13. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to see what you get. Have you got anything? Right, there's there's already a dozen that I can see on there. <laughs> there you go. There's, there's a category, a category on Player FM called Best Farting Podcast 2022. Oh, no. <laughs> so there's like a top ten. Yeah, it's one of the, the top ones called Send Us Your Farts. I guess that's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> uh, the the long, fart locker. Sorry, the, the, the Send Us Your Farts. How long are is an episode? Because I mean, if that's like half an hour or an hour of just people's <laughs> fart sounds. At what point uh, does 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 that not yeah. become funny at what point does well that get? i think to be honest once i watched about 
10 minutes of farting, I'd maybe want to move on. Maybe yeah. 15 if they're really good. <laughs> yeah, if it's really good. Yeah. yeah. Imagine, the, got... did the Petter Man do a whole show? He was probably just a 20-minute yeah. act or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I mean, I, but the impression I got from that... Um, <laughs> Uh, I was going to say documentary because it felt like one. Um, the 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 thing with Leonard Rosso was um, yeah, it was like a full show, like in in a theatre with. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. So it must have you know if you're paying money to see that, you'd want at least half an hour. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, this guy, this guy basically gets people to send him in farts. The, the latest episode is 24 minutes long. Because <laughs> <laughs> the actual fart's not going to be that long, is it? No, well, that's going to be low. That's a selection of the farts. Can't we hear a little bit of farting? I want to hear can't be Can you look and get it, play a little bit of it? We'll, we'll have to maybe edit a little bit in. I'll edit yeah. some in. I don't know how in. I can do that live. Um, yeah. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I assume he's commentating on them and sort of maybe rating them or something. Yeah, <laughs> on his homepage, says, I review submitted farts. I review farts. And, then, and, then, and then he sent an email address. There's an email address. Saying, so, oh, wait, it gets better. Sometimes solo or with guests. So, <laughs> farts bringing people together. You yeah, know, like a real collaborative. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. I think he's calling it the market. I don't think we can, um, we can no. top that. Anyway. Well, you said there were 12 there were other ones as well. Yeah. Uh, the fart locker, um, <laughs> all all fart no poop. <laughs> <laughs> See as well, it's an international thing, isn't it? Farting, it's, you know, yeah. everyone could understand the fart, and everyone like laughter. Yeah, yeah. I quite. I said universal language. Um, <laughs> no, there's loads. It looks like there's there's, there's upwards of thirty or forty. Is there a belching one as well? There must be. I mean, I wonder yeah. if some of these maybe overlap, possibly, and might be sort of <laughs> going to add bodily, bodily sounds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do burping podcasts. Let's have a look. There's That's only amazing. really burping, farting. There's, is there nothing else quite like that, is there? No, not that would sort of... No, not that has the same sort of universal... Snee- sneezing? Sort of sneezing? Oh, no, yeah, it's sneezing. not as funny, though, is it, sneezing? I don't Coughing, think. yeah, no. No, it depends on the sneeze, but... yeah. Yeah, there's again. There's the best Burt podcast category. I mean, there's, there's just it's part of the, the same network, is it? The slight, the slight, <laughs> same network. Yeah, uh, the slight problem with from, like the, online... from the guys that bought you podcast. <laughs> 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 there's the, the slight sort of problem, I guess, with like online content now. It's like if you've thought of an idea, as the three of us just have, yeah. someone's done it. Like it's very difficult now, I think, to come up with, I guess, something that someone hasn't done, and, and probably quite well. At some point, I'd like to hear a symphony of farts, belches, sneezes, coughs. You know, someone should make it. Well, they probably have done it already, obviously. Yeah. It's the, uh, yeah. The, yeah, it's playing some sort of, yeah, like a, a national anthem or something in. Yeah. Or create an entirely new symphony. Yeah. A musical, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> An orchestra. Yeah. Perhaps we should move on from farting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. I think yeah. probably our listeners have had enough. Um, sorry. So yeah, so obviously you did the, the the poetry stuff, but when did the comedy come about then? When were you starting to sort of dabble with the comedy? Well, um, like I say, when I was Captain Hook, but then, and then mm. uh, at school I, I used to occasionally go on and do a joke uh, in assembly, 
or do a little funny thing, which I was allowed to do. And then we had the school review. I can't remember much about it, but that was like a little funny show we put on for the parents. And then at university, uh, you know, we used to do the university review, as it was. I mean, you call them reviews then. I mean, I suppose you'd call them sketch shows now. And then a little group of us got together and went up to the Edinburgh <laughs> Festival, Fringe, in 1977 and that's really the place I mean you know that's a playground of the imagination and nearly all the work I've done one way or another started out at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in August and in fact it's the 75th anniversary of the Edinburgh Festival and the Fringe this year and I'm doing a show called My 75 Years at the Edinburgh Fringe <laughs> Excellent. But, uh, which I'm going to pretend on. Well, the first seven, you know, the first, uh, what, nine years, I did a show called I Haven't Been Born Yet. But, um, but then uh, I'm going to kind of reminisce about show because I've done all sorts of funny shows and I've written plays that started there and I did an, an, art, um, an art festival one year of paintings and ridiculous sculptures and I've done stand-up and I was in a double act and uh, I I do these outdoor walking shows as well, which I've done over the years. They're fun. It's a great thing to do a show outdoors where you take your people with you. There's there's no set on earth quite like the open air of Edinburgh. Mm. And I used to do these ones, which I'll probably do it again this year, called my late-night tour of the Royal Mile which didn't start till 2 or 3 a.m. And, I mean, back in my drinking days in the 90s, they were pretty wild. I got arrested at the end of one of them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm quite proud of that. There's, there's not, <laughs> not many comedians can say they got arrested at the end of a gig. A couple. There's Lenny Bruce. But I'd say, you and Lenny yeah. Bruce. Yeah. There was one other guy, actually, when I used to compare a lot at a club called Jonglers in the 90s there was a guy who was on doing he was fairly new and he was just doing five or ten minutes but his name was in time out which used to advertise and he came off stage he'd done okay and was immediately arrested and it turned out he was a wanted man and some (laughs) copper had seen his name uh in time out and they'd come along and arrested him which, uh, I mean, that is a big heckle. I mean, that yeah. <laughs> also, it's nice that they let him do his, do yeah. his show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose that you know, made sure they knew who he was, I yeah. suppose, or they were sort of checking him out on the, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I've done these wild late-night tours of the Royal Mile in Edinburgh. Yeah, so I'll be off to Edinburgh in a couple of months. I better start writing my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what but, did you get arrested for on the on the Well, it was... There was a comedian, if you ever look him up, he was quite a legend called Malcolm Hardy who used to run dodgy clubs and he'd done a bit of time in prison for nicking cars and he came out of prison and became a, a sort of comedian and he and he used to run gigs where he'd book people that no one else would. And he apparently learned this after he died. He drowned in the River Thames, pissed in about 2004 or something. But he always used to ring the police up uh, at the start of my tour. Said, "Oh, there's a lot of trouble here up in uh, up in Royal Mile. You better get down here, lads." Because <laughs> as far as he was concerned, that always added to the entertainment. 
So quite often the police would turn up. And I've got a picture somewhere of him standing naked on top of a porter cabin in just his socks with a policeman arresting him. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, he called the police. And on this, this particular one where I got arrested, it was, um, it, but there'd been a bit of nudity and a bit of shouting. Uh, oh, yeah, and, there was, and uh, I'll tell you about that after, but there were some funny incidents on these tours. But then, uh, and then suddenly the police came in and Simon Munnery, the comedian, sort of brushed one away and he was arrested for um, resisting arrest or something. So he was taken to the police station. I thought, well, if anyone gets arrested, I should. So I followed him down to the police station <laughs> And then they took me in and arrested me for breach of the peace and possession of a megaphone, is what they said. <laughs> and the following year, I had to go and go to a little court session, and uh, I was fined a hundred pounds. And uh, and I offered to pay at the time, but they said, "Oh no, we'll send you a thing." But I, they never did, so I still owe the Edinburgh Police Force, £100. I'm a, they don't seem to come after me for it, but I am technically a wanted man, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's quite a nice thing to, to have under your belt. I was going to say, you've obviously... Have you ever been since... arrested, either of I've you? I've never been arrested. No, 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 exactly. no I've never been arrested. No. Neither of you? No, no. No, not we're, not we're quite close. Cut, uh, yeah, Jim and I. But just like quick on Malcolm Hardy, quickly, there's an award after him, isn't there, for mm. like um, most kind of like out there marketing campaign for yeah. Edinburgh. Is that right? That's right, the Malcolm Hardy Cunning Stunts Award or something. <laughs> That's right. But I think I got a prize <laughs> in it one year when I said that critics could only review my show if they came on stage and juggled kippers. <laughs> and one or two of them did fair, to be fair to them and, and then uh, how did they review you after that <laughs> uh, I got a, a two kipper star review <laughs> <laughs> yeah well Malcolm Alder you should look him up he was really quite you know he had an instinctive ability to do the least sensible thing in any situation and he eventually uh, yeah. ended up, he used to run a, 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 a club on a boat called the Wibbly Wobbly, funny enough, down the Abermancy where I grew up. Yeah. And, uh, and he fell in the river one night rowing back to his own boat, which he lived on up just across. And, you know, and his funeral was just the best gig I've ever been to. It was, took place in St Alfred's Church in Greenwich. He was a Greenwich boy. You know, Jules Holland played, and Joe Brand spoke, and Stuart Lee, and wow. and then he uh, he was carried out to return to sender, and uh, <laughs> and every comedian at the time uh, was in that church, and it was just the funniest and saddest event yeah. I've ever attended. I don't ever expect to go to a better gig than that. Mm. Have you been to a so, funeral lately? <laughs> not not recently, thankfully, but um, I'm sure there'll be more to come. Um, I was thinking, like, in, you, you've been going to the festival since 1977. Obviously, you've probably seen a lot of changes. How how has it changed over those years? I mean, obviously, and I'm not saying that people weren't serious back in the day, but is there a more... Uh, it feels like, you know, it's very much more... Um, people are more driven, perhaps, now to, to make sure this is a very... 
Well, then, you know, in their career to be, to, to be bid to be at Edinburgh. Well, I used to have a thing I say about a little poem that went: "I'll get spotted, I'll get paid, I'll get drunk, I'll get laid." It's a sort <laughs> of, uh, uh, well, it it it's, it was not as big when I first went up. Mm. It is the biggest arts festival in the world by some measure. There are thousands and thousands of shows, and, and then there's the official festival, which is, uh, you know. Berlin Philharmonic and whatnot, and then there's the fringe. But even the fringe is a bit divided between the fringe where there's the more regular venues and the free fringe, yeah. uh, which means you can just go up and uh, people put money in a hat at the end of a show. And it's, uh, and it, it, I mean, the, the great thing about it is that I, unlike any other festival, anyone can go. You know, you can go and do your farting show. This year, if you want, I'm, I'm excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can just do it in a phone box, or you can find any sort of a venue. So there's a kind of wild freedom about the event. Most festivals in the world, you're invited to go, and it's professionals doing it. But Edinburgh is a is a free for all. It's getting. I don't know how much it's going to change this year since because it was cancelled uh, mm, a couple yeah. of years ago, and. Um, there weren't so many last year, obviously, because of the pandemic. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a bit different. And now it gets more and more expensive to go, especially for accommodation. Yeah, There's nowhere to stay. And so people let their flats out for £5,000 a week or something. So yeah. it's, it's getting harder, I think. And uh, who knows? But it remains, you know, just a riot of the imagination and a playground where you can try anything. Yeah, and I guess as well, a place where you can you you can sort of come into contact with people that look at the world in a similar way, or, or not, but but you know, create. Well, there's all sorts of, of people you can go and see all your friends or other comedians, new people, and there's the jazz festival, the film festival, the TV festival, the farting festival that's starting this year. <laughs> there's uh, there's a billion things to do, and of course, Edinburgh is. I always think it's probably the the most attractive-looking city in Britain, probably. Yeah. it's. I mean, we, we've we mentioned the farting show so often now, I think we're actually going to have to do it. <laughs> the marketing's already done for us. I yeah, we're well, we'll do it on the free fringe, I think. Free, yeah. It's a very free fringe show, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll we'll do it on we'll do it on free fringe. Um, I don't know if people will put anything in the bucket at the end, but we can uh, we can give it a That's go. That's what they'll put in the bucket. I was about to say they might be worried about what's been in the bucket. I think possibly. Yeah, they might. Uh, they might need, need very good uh, uh, very good air conditioning or something. <laughs> yeah. I think. yeah, maybe it's an outdoor show. Maybe it's an outdoor gig. Actually. Yeah, yeah, oh uh, yeah. Do it on top of Arthur's seat. Arthur's seat. Yeah. <laughs> Which they named after me after I've been up there for a few years. There you go. Places are working out perfectly. Which also sounds like another word for a a bum anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the Fart Festival on Arthur's Seat. (laughs) I mean, that actually, that could win a Malcolm Hardy, actually. Oh, definitely, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Malcolm, famously, there was an occasion when there was someone asleep in the front row and he was on stage and he just weed over him. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> I know. I mean, the, the things he did, Malcolm, are ridiculous. 
But then the bloke, when the bloke, everyone laughed, and then the bloke woke up, and he was really pleased that he'd been weed on <laughs> and been the centre of attention. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, not the reaction I'd have had, I don't think, to being to being weed on, but, you know, no. everyone's different. Everyone yeah. has their own different... Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, some people, that's quite a thing, isn't it? <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not doing a show about... That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, uh, it's not something that appeals to me, I have to say. No, there's definitely an audience <laughs> no, no, for it, no. but I think we should uh, stick to the party, and that's as, that's as yeah. far as we should go. Yeah, um, yeah. I get, I'm I'm interested though because obviously you 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 do so much stuff and 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 uh, rather than you know you know sort of these days it's very you're sort of told like pick your thing stick to it if you want to be a stand up comedian pick stand up and do it do it do it do it do it if you want to be a poet pick poetry do it do it do mm. it but like you've done so much, so much different stuff and it obviously hasn't hindered you do you think there's a sort of there's a sort of beauty in actually maybe doing a bit of everything, or do you think to oh, progress yeah, you do absolutely. need to? Yeah, that's like when I had my art, my archer art yeah. uh, movement. I suddenly thought because I I had a good friend who was a proper artist, and I got to know a bit about the art world. And I thought, well, I'll try that. Yeah, it's nice to try new ideas, uh, and who know, who knows? You know, maybe I'm not. You can be a bit good at everything, maybe. I agree. Most people just sort of stick with the the one line, but um, I think the world's more interesting if you look outside of uh, your principal activity. How long we got, boys? I'm <laughs> I'm longing to go for a walk around the common soon. <laughs> Five more minutes. We'll give it, if that's all yeah. right. I remember, I'm ending on a poem. Yeah, I've got one yeah. ready as well. Good. Um... We all got one. Yeah. I don't well, have one, but I, I will. I will bask in the glory of you guys. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do a fart at the end. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. If you can get one ready. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How do you do that? How do you prepare a fart? Know. You'd have to yeah. prepare a fart like it's some sort of meal. I don't, uh, <laughs> well, to make your body in a farty condition. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm preparing for a big match at Wembley. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm fart ready. I'm, I'm yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, you try. Don't I'll try. Let it out before you go on. You know, that would be you don't really want to annoying. peak. No. no, you don't want to peak too early. No. So yeah, I was. I, what I wanted to ask you was about obviously you coming out as a comedian in the se- late late seventies, and we talked a bit about you know those working man's clubs and and the, the style of comedy at that town, and, and obviously trying to be a more of an alternative comedian. And I wondered how difficult that was. That must have been quite. Challenging, I guess. I'm, I'm assuming there was. You weren't alone, obviously, in doing that. You weren't the well. There, the, weren't, there the weren't the only one doing it. But there weren't there that many, as many of us at the beginning. Yeah. There were just, I mean, but there were more and more little clubs opening uh, first in London and then around the country, and uh, there were new styles. People were doing more observational material rather than just gags. Sort of, oh, I like a gag, but the the old school were they were gags that you could sort of share between you really or people used to say are you doing that one or that one whereas it became a more personal thing and you'd have people like Sean Hughes say used to do shows about his own problems or I mean that's more and more common amongst comedians now to people talking about their mental health and Mm. um and uh and of course the the big division then was Thatcher 
or not, you know, we were all desperately anti-Thatcher, obviously. And I remember the Falklands when that happened, there was the comedy store was about the only place you could go where people would say, yeah, I'm not, I'm against the Falklands war. Um, but uh, it's expanded and, you know, things move on and people die and new people appear on the scene. It's, a, it's an endlessly fluid, progressive world we live in. But we'll all be dead soon anyway from climate change. Yeah, yeah. I, Maybe. Uh, no, I think you're probably right. I mean, climate... Someone on the radio was talking about climate change today and it's like that. It's like the biggest elephant you could ever think of in a room and we're yeah. all just like yeah. cacking on with our yeah. little lives while this thing looms over us because uh, I do think we're probably in trouble. Um, but anyway... Let's try and end the pod on a uh, more <laughs> yeah, lighter yeah, note. A bit, but yeah. <laughs> but I do. I just really quickly then before we sort of move on to the poem, poetry, and the farting. Um, I there's, I do think there's an element of like people talking. It's interesting you talking about that was the moment maybe where people started being more truthful on stage about themselves and stuff. Yeah. Which is definitely a hundred percent a really sort of prevalent sort of part of stand up company now. But it's more relatable, surely, because if you're talking about stuff, your problems or things like that, things that ail you on stage. And then making it funny, I think that's one of the most relatable thing you can do because there'll be people in the audience that will, from various yeah. walks of life, that will relate to that. Yeah, I mean, no one's completely happy. Well, maybe they are, but they'd be very annoying if they are. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> got doubts about the world and certain issues. So to see it presented on stage, there's a community there as well, and the laughter will bring you together in it. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, you can absolutely. deal with any subject, though, in a way, with comedy. Uh, you can talk about history or, uh, you know, you can... Anything is up for grabs if, if you can get a laugh from it. Yeah, because obviously that's been a debate recently, what things, you know, constitute as being funny. And if you can go to certain places with comedy, do you feel like you can pretty much broach most subjects with comedy? Yeah, yeah pretty much, depending, you know, that people talk about, punching uh, punching up and punching down. Mm. You can kind of approach any subject, providing you're not punching down, as they say, you know, providing you're not being the superior one, taking the piss out of someone less, uh, yeah. less self-confident or... Uh, so, no, anything can, can, is potentially... I mean, some subjects you've got to be very careful with. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think if you can, if you're coming at things from a place of compassion, I guess, and 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 trying to be respectful, but yeah. at the same time making it funny, and I think you probably, yeah. you're probably okay, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. Um, but yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm just thinking about the poetry <laughs> and the farting. To be totally honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, Arthur, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy your pleasure. walk around the common. I will. Thanks, uh, Arthur. All right. Cheers. Can I, yeah, can I take a quick photo if that's possible? Can yeah, go quick, on. I'll do do that, and then I'll press the leave meeting button at Brilliant. the bottom right, yeah. which we've all yes. got used to now. There you go, Arthur Smith on the Blank Podcast. 
Um, what a legend. I mean, such an easy conversation. He's, he's, he's done so much. I mean, literally, he, he, he's so good at various forms of entertainment and, and creativity. Um, but just a lovely guy. I, I love it when we've got people on. It normally happens with comedians where they're happy to indulge the silliness. Which <laughs> yeah, lots and lots we certainly did that on this one. On this episode. And there's more on the patron, patron.com slash blank podcast, um, including some uh, you guys both read out a couple of poems as well which is um which is a really really lovely moment yeah. as well so if you want to hear that do sign up to our patron jim doesn't read out a poem because he's um he's te- tempting something else miraculous yeah. in that, that yeah. section of the uh <laughs> of the never podcast. been heard before and never yeah. again since but, um, uh yeah it's all a bit of fun really no i mean i love talking about poetry so it was a, it was really great for me to be able to chat about poetry and obviously Arthur's very knowledgeable and uh, yeah, just great. Like I said, like a raconteur, he's just a great person to hear, you know, anecdotes and stories about and is happy to, you know, delve into all sorts of different subjects, you know, and I'll always enjoy the podcast where we go off on tangents and things and get a bit silly. It's always fun. I think they're, I think, I mean, I think they're the best ones. I say, I say that I think the episodes where we go really serious, I think are really important. And I think when we have guests that really come up on there, sort of like ready to really open about sort of a trauma or something, I think that's, that is, they are genuinely really important because people listening will be able to relate to them. But I do love it when we go on random tangents because it's just, the time flies by. I looked at the clock at one point and we were about 45 minutes in. I was like, I was like well, we've barely scratched the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just, but it was just such a fun chat. And I think you just have to go with it sometimes. And I think those make for the, make for good episodes. So it was just, yeah, ideal guest and, and a great guy. Well, the power of the free form conversation yeah. podcast isn't it you can you know it is a it's a conversation uh, as you would have with someone in, in the local cafe and have a cup of tea or whatever it might be uh yeah it's, it's a chance to just chat yeah, exactly um, you know exactly. we've never got any agendas or anything you and i so if it goes it no. goes where it goes and yeah sometimes Quite. it's silly sometimes it's uh more emotional i think that's the beauty of actually you and i being independent as we are Although again, you can support us via our patron. Um, <laughs> is that we don't we d- we genuinely don't sit down and think, oh, we should talk about this, talk about this. Yeah. We just sort of like see where it goes. And I, and I hope that that means that when our guests come on, they're very relaxed and don't feel like they're being forced into any sort of particular conversation. Because you and I are genuinely happy with wherever it goes. And uh, so, I, and I hope that comes across with the our listeners as well. That I hope that makes it an easy listen um, because mm. we're we're certainly not here trying to tick any boxes for no. certain headlines or anything we're just here for for a chat to be honest and i and i always leave obviously i'm in my cabin at the end of the garden my, my office i always leave the office every time we've done one of these and i walk back down my garden and I, there's always a spring in my step mm. because i've always had an, a, a fun time or an interesting time or a particularly poignant time uh, uh, with with our guests so hopefully that it translates to our listeners as well or you've opened up your bowels um, in which case you were uh, or not Charles yeah or, or not, not or know, not who, you knows? Are, who, who knows? knows who knows you have to listen yeah. to the Patreon um, but uh, yeah so that that can put a spring in your step as well but no I agree um, without being too flippant it, it, no absolutely yeah I always feel a, a bit of a buzz afterwards well we've said it's our therapy session every week we always feel feel yeah. good afterwards and uh, yeah it's always great to chat to these amazing people so very very lucky indeed yeah indeed so thank you to Arthur for coming on uh, and being uh, yeah an absolute absolute legend and uh, again if you are going to the edinburgh festival uh then do go and see him please come and see me as well my edinburgh show is is now on yes. on sale uh, officially on sale i think they've updated it with my uh so the online one i think with my new photo i think so i got i had a photo shoot and i quickly check um 
where my poster is being sorted out at the moment. Um, but anyway, the show is called Jim Daily Football and Fatherhood because um, it's about football and fatherhood. I thought I'd just make it very obvious in the show title. Um, and I am, yes, they've updated it. Oh, that looks great. Um, I'm at the Just a Tonic at the Grass Market Center every day from the 4th till the 28th, apart from there's a few days in the middle where I'm going to my brother's uh, wedding in Ireland. Um, nice. And you can pre book a ticket for five quid, but it's also sort of pay what you want. So you can turn up and just put money in the bucket at the end. But obviously, bear in mind, tickets may have been sold previously and you might not get a seat. But uh, I was a 50 seater. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, but anyway, man. please. Yeah, really excited. So, uh, yeah, if you're coming to Edinburgh, go and see Arthur. Come and see me. Uh, and and there's, there's loads of shows to go and see. I'm at 4.30 every day, and if I said that. But, uh, yeah, so quite a good quite a good time, hopefully. Uh, so, yeah, I need, I need to probably. I'm, I'm probably going to mention the show a fair amount, if that's okay, on the uh, on these pods, because I need to obviously sort of get people in. But uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I've got a new book, out, so everyone go and buy that. Well, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Um, but, yeah. Anyway. I think that's the end of this episode. It is. Thank you, Arthur, for coming on. Thank you to our listeners and our patrons. Uh, thank you, Giles, as well. Thank you, Jim. It's been a pleasure, as always. It always is. Uh, and we're back next week, of course, with another episode on the Black Podcast. So until then, take care of yourselves, stay safe, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a Glassbox Media Podcast.